Welcome to episode 68 of Reading Between the Reels. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're a new listener, we're so glad you found us. If you've been enjoying the show, please tell someone about us, send a tweet, post to Facebook, write a review on your favorite podcast catcher, or just recommend the show to a friend. I'm Craig Dickinson, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, Corey Heitschmidt and Justin Ellen. Welcome back, guys. Hey. <laughs> Hang on. Mischief. I'm going to try and do this. No, that a, was the intro. Spider-Man says it in Miles Morales says it. Hey, that's just Cor- come, on, Cor- come on. Corey, I, that was my plan this whole time. See? I was going to do that. Oh, I beat you to but, it. Hey. Uh, there it is. We, we missed the magic from last week. Yeah, Smolder. If it was Star Wars, we could have done. You could have done that. And I could have just said hello there. Another time. Okay. Uh, we're also joined by a uh, special guest's co-host returning to the show from our Lego Batman show, my daughter, Callista. Hi. And for the record, I was going to do that, too. I was going to be like, hey. <laughs> it was going to sound super dumb, but it was going to be funny. And was, y'all stole it. It was okay, so good. So we, all of us thought of it. I'm I'm learning hey. that we all think we're funny, but yet unoriginal. That's what I just got from this interaction. Yeah. So if, if you, uh, listeners, dear listeners, if you didn't catch what we're doing tonight, we are talking about spider-man into the spider-verse from 2018 because the new movie's coming out soon it's it's a few weeks out uh so we're excited to revisit this film and get back into uh talking about films in general and so i'm going to start with say i'm gonna start with justin first your overall thoughts on spider-man into the spider-verse okay can i just say i'm gonna my overall thoughts can be summed up by um the goosebumps i get every time you say that title um (laughs) This movie, normally when when we're doing this podcast, I'm watching the movie almost as like a reviewer. Like I'm I'm trying to like pick it apart critically and I forget that no, that's not what we're doing. We're trying to, you know, seek deeper meaning uh, through what the director is showing us. Even still, I watch it like almost as a review. Uh, And this this movie, I will hear no, no negativity towards this film. Probably one of my favorite like top five favorite movies of all time. Um, just, just everything about it, every little piece, the voice acting, the, uh, the soundtrack, which I actually have things to say about this time. Craig's not going to just take it, take it all. Um, (laughs) the, the animation like is, is absolutely amazing. The colors throughout, it is just so bright and vibrant and it is perfectly adapted. Like, like movies for the longest time, comic book movies have been trying to adapt the comic book to the big screen. And I think there we have had many examples of failure. This is one excellent example of success, like how to get from the page to the screen. And it just does it so well. And it has a perfect amount of like wit and heart. And, oh, it's, oh, I love it. I love this movie. <laughs> and like yeah. as, a, as a lifelong Spider-Man fan, like I was a kid who constantly – in fact, I just did this in my classroom the other day, embarrassingly. I will like run at the wall in hopes and I'll jump at the wall in hopes that I can stick to it. It's never worked. But one of these days, I will be Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> as a kid who's always wanted to be Spider-Man, like this movie just, mm, chef's kiss. Like it's a, it's the best. Nice. So Corey, I'm going to you next. Okay. Well, you know what? I completely agree with Justin. The animation, the visuals. Everything right there, extraordinary. The animation style. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna take it a different way though. I think, I think this is absolutely phenomenal movie. One of the top three Spider-Man movies of all the Spider-Man movies that have ever been Spider-Man webbed and and put out there. This is, I'm gonna put this in a top three. 
because it's an animation, it's kind of a, at first I was thinking, why, why are we making an animation movie? But then when you watch this and you realize what they're able to pull off and some of the things that they do with this, you are drawn into the story that you kind of put aside that you're watching an animated cartoon and you focus on the story, the character building, the plot. And then when you leave, you walk away and go, that would have been a phenomenal live action movie too. Would have been absolutely incredible. And I don't think everything would have, but I think the animation's incredible. Your expectations are exceeded in this movie. The animation style fluctuates from different ranges, bringing in Spider Spider-Man from different universes that have different animation styles is is a downright gutsy move to pull off, and they do it. And then I got to be honest, bringing in Porky Pig as a Spider-Man. <laughs> The first time yes. I heard they were doing that, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to bomb. But I'm drawn into the story, and I love it. I love it. I can't, you know, it's just incredible. And uh, the characters, the pace, it's it's the high bar for, for any animated movie coming out. And I think the storyline is such a high bar for any Marvel movie coming out. And, uh, you know, I know I think this Spider-Man, Spider-Verse would have been a phenomenal live action movie, but I, I think here's the reason why, and I got one reason why I think I like this better than some of the other Spider-Man movies. This Spider-Man movie is like a book. You know how people say, I love the book more than I love the movie. And I've always wondered about, you know, I love movies. How, how I want to watch it more than I want to read it. But when you read it, you get that internal dialogue and that monologue from people and that creates more connection to the character and the story and the building of who they are. And in this one, rather than the Tom Hollands, Tobey Maguire's and Andrew Garfield's, we've got Miles Morales and his internal dialogue is throughout the whole movie, which draws you into him. And you just, you fall in love with the kid. You fall in love with the story with Spider-Man. And so I think, I think that's part of what makes this so good is that it's, they're able to do what you can't necessarily do in a live action. Give us that internal monologue to make it a book passion that you love mixed with a film that you're watching. I, I also think – sorry, I'm going to – Craig, I'm going to cut you off before you yeah, get fine. initial thoughts. I also think sometimes with uh, animation, it makes you focus on the story more because at least for me, when I'm watching live action – I'm I'm thinking about the actors. I'm thinking about the people in the background. I'm thinking uh, about the extras. I'm thinking about oh, you know that actor said this one thing that one time, or oh that actor just did something really stupid. Like, but you you are a little bit more removed when it's animated. You're not thinking about that. You're just focusing on what's being said and shown. Like it's almost mm-hmm. more you're more yeah. immersed, even though it is a different reality than what you exist in because it is not three dimensional. Well, I guess none of it's three-dimensional. It's on a screen, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Calista, what about you? What are your overall thoughts on the movie? Well, of course, I agree. This movie is amazing and super entertaining, and it's one of my favorite animated movies. Um, and then I know when I was trying to write notes, I was writing down, like, every other word because I just couldn't get everything down. And so that's how good it is. I was just trying to write every single thing that every single character says, and that just wouldn't have worked. So... It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, for my, for me, I would just say that I was absolutely not interested in this movie at first because it was animated. I was just like, okay, yeah, I don't need that. I don't need that thing. And I don't, I didn't see it until it was out on, on disc. And then I think it was actually, I think it was Matt leader actually that said, see somehow Matt returned. Um, 
that uh somehow no you haven't seen you haven't seen in the spider-verse that's crazy this is amazing and so i checked it out we watched it watched it with the kids and it's like you're right this is a great film animated or not it's just a great story and and the fact that it's not animated just arbitrarily like they can do things in animation with this film that you can't do in live action to make it work with like the different styles of spider-man and the different universes and that kind of stuff but I also love the fact that because it's animated, it's automatically more accessible to kids. And the fact that you have, you know, Miles Morales as your protagonist, that it's accessible that way too. So it's like, it just brings kids in, but in a way like the great cartoons have done where it works for kids and they just want to watch something bright and shiny, but it, the story is so good that it keeps an adult's interest as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So let's go ahead and talk about some of those uh, some of those aspects. Justin, I'm going to start with you again. Uh, cinematography, composition, colors, camera work. What are just one or two things? So we got a full full slate of people today. What are some things that jumped out at you? Um, so when I saw this movie in theaters, and I, I I meant to look this up before we got here. When I saw this movie in theaters, I remember sitting there, and I had actually wondered several times, and I remember commenting to the whichever rando was sitting next to me at the time. I didn't go with anyone. I actually went by myself. Um, I, and I and I asked them if I had like accidentally walked into the the 3D movie and I like didn't bring my 3D glasses or something um, because and and I wonder if from cinema to uh, streaming or digital or however you're watching it I wonder if they toned some of this down but there's almost like a weird blur effect in the background um, to like draw your focus to the main character and you see that in a lot of scenes but I remember in theaters it was it was very, very noticeable to the, it was almost distracting. I didn't really mm. like it. And maybe it's because the screen was bigger or maybe they actually did tone it down. I'm not actually sure, but whatever they toned it down to, it's, it's much better. But if you know, like I said, like if you notice in a lot of scenes, there are, or there is like a, a, a fairly heavy blur in the background, which is, which is kind of interesting. Like I said, it, it draws uh, focus and just overall the, the whole film um, almost, so I have I have this thing every anytime I pause a movie, if I I think a lot of people have this, but if I pause a movie and someone in the scene looks weird, like if an actor is mid blink or something, I have to like yes. play it and then repause it because I'm like ah, I can't like leave this guy just hanging like that. That's um, what I do every time. But this this movie, wherever you pause it, it looks like it could just be taken straight out of a comic book. There's like there's no bad scene in this movie. Every single piece of it is like vibrant and bright and just like bleeding with emotion well whatever sometimes it's dark but if it's dark it's for a purpose but it's it's just everything is done so intentionally and i love it because live action yeah you you get that but not quite as much you have to pay more attention to the weather and the actual set pieces where this every single tiny color and line is is intentional and it is it's just ah it's so so pretty. I'm getting goosebumps again. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Corey. Uh, I think, you know, the color in this movie, and I agree with Justin. The, when I started watching it again, I forgot the blur effect in the beginning. I did think, oh, my gosh, was I – did I download the 3D version? Because do I need glasses for this? Because there was that red-blue off-color hue on mm-hmm. almost an aura. And I thought, oh, this must be a 3D version. <laughs> and – did but you see it parts in theaters? Where, yeah, but I don't remember that in the theaters. I just remember it more on my TV now. And when I first was watching it, and I thought, 
I actually went out and thought, did I get the 3D version or did I get a regular version? And uh, and so it, but it, when I went back in, I realized there were some definite artistic styles they were doing. There was there's a blurring in the background, and I had that exact same thing written down in the beginning. It gives it a watercolor type. It's like everything in the back was painted with watercolors where they bleed a little, and oh, yeah. it's a softer hue. And it was the it was the focus was him and his dad in the car heading to school. And that's that soft focus, the father-son focus, having a conversation and talking and establishing that relationship. So, And then there are other times where it gets real sharp, real jagged. And it, I mean, the, the type of animation that they were using matched the scenes that they were telling. And so I thought that was very obvious for me this time. Uh, the other thing I think is the camera work is so amazing because they do so much comic book paneling in here that you don't get in other movies. I think they tried to do that with the Hulk movie and it didn't work as well. They tried to do that comic book paneling and then switch to the transition to the next scene. And it was very distracting in the Hulk movie. I actually didn't hate that, but in Spider-Man, it's so seamless. It like you said, you pause it anywhere and it's a comic book panel and it's, it's a beautiful telling of that whole Miles Morales story. So I think, that was an intentional thing, but it gives them a little more freedom. There were words across the screen. The spider sense is tingling all at the same time. So it's that comic book thing where you get the what's taking place. The narrative of the story is an actual character in the movie now because I'm in seeing visually spider sense is tingling. They all agree. They all have it going off. Something's Something they all sense. Versus the movie where they have to play that with a sound or a pause or a slow motion like they do with Toby. So it, somehow they have to show Spider-Sense tingle, Peter Tingle thing without <laughs> without just the arrows going off you know, above their heads. So I think there's some things they do in here where there's one, two things I pointed out. In the beginning, he's at school. There's a locker view inside the locker. He opens it, shuts it, and we're in the locker. And then when he goes to class, there's a focus on the leg of the chair sliding across the floor. And I thought, this is so comic booky. It's the paneling. But then after that, I didn't pay attention to it, but I just was focused on, I get more out of the story this way. So it, it drew me in that the animation was a way to go with this, even though I want Miles Morales, and I think he should have been in Far From Home, but I think I want a Miles Morales movie. This right here was a, a beautifully told story and how they did it. So, Corey, I, I feel like we're probably going to mm. mention the 2003 Hulk quite a bit because that's yeah. that's kind of the, the film that tried this and failed. What is it about this one, do you think? Why did the comic book style work in this film and did not work in, in 2003's Hulk? What's I, I think it's because it's because the same type of thing, the mentality of I get to hear his monologue. I get to see him thinking. There's a fourth wall I think we get through where he's reading Spider-Man comic books and where they're the actual Spider-Man comic books that we, you know, people grew up with. They're actual frames of that. And so it, I think it's a way of we're in the story and in his thinking and in his mind and we're part of it. Hulk is a person we're watching the whole time. And I think that's a difference in how they told it. So – so Hulk just didn't go deep enough into the comic book. They just did like the cutscenes. I'd agree with that too. They don't think they committed enough, and I don't think I don't think the story was good. Yeah, honestly, it wasn't. It wasn't a comic book accurate story, and didn't give us what we wanted from the Hulk. We want to see Hulk smash a lot more. It was a lot more psychological drama. 
Well, it's with like maybe gimmicky. they just decided to do the comic book <clears throat> in in the edits and right. really while they were filming. Well, and it sure. was on Eric Bana, not on Hulk. It was on the psychological part. <laughs> the Hulk's a mindless Hulk, right? So we don't get a, any kind of emotional attachment to that character of the Hulk in that movie. It's all on Eric Bana and having his drama with his father. And then we have the Hulk smashing it and we didn't get enough of it and enough of the Hulk there. And so I think that's part of it. Like here, I'm on Miles Morales' drama the whole time with the whole movie and rooting for him and cheering for him because I know he has to take over um, from where Peter left off. And right. and so. See, good segue back to the, the actual movie we're talking about, Corey. Nice job. That's right. Yeah, a bait and switch. <laughs> this is actually a Hulk podcast. <laughs> Maybe another oh my time. Calista, why don't you talk about your cinematography observations? All right. So real quick, I just want to talk about the comic book thing that Corey mentioned because I was going to talk about this at the end, but um, how are there Spider-Man comics if nobody knows who Spider-Man is? If they don't if they don't know that he's Peter Parker, how are there comic books with his backstory in it? I don't understand. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a plot hole that I had not considered. Exactly! Because it's like, 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 sorry. <laughs> they show what happens to him, but how do they know if they don't know who he yeah, is? Calista. It just makes me so mad. Oh my god! Yes, the, I think the internet Marvel police are going to come storming through your door right now. <laughs> you know, all right, open up in there. So, just so, oh my goodness! So I, I, I think I have an answer. Marvel police, hold on, hold back. So maybe this answer is wrong. From, okay, I have not read very many of these comics. I, I like Spider-Man comics, but like the OG Spider-Man, have not read a lot of this. I believe in this universe, Miles Morales' universe, uh, the I think they know he is Peter Parker. I might have to fact check that. I, th- I think the fact that Spider-Man is Peter Parker is well known. Yeah. That's See, why I, people know huh. Mary Jane. That's why people know Aunt May. I'm going to push back on that a little bit, though, because I think that's on the news where they announce mm-hmm. who Spider-Man was after he dies. Yeah, like, they go like... He's 26-year-old, blah, 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 Peter Parker. Oh, there is a little bit of a, like an audio obit on that. Because mm-hmm. we were going back and forth on that, too. I'm like, it's cool that they have the Spider-Man comics, the actual Spider-Man comics, put in there, and then like the amazing true story or whatever. And that's a cool thing to do. But yeah, as soon as you're like... But showing how? him being bit by the spider. But how? Although, you know, I don't know. I didn't look close enough to see, does it show that it is Peter Parker in the in the comic? Yeah, that was another idea that I had, that maybe they just made up, like, another... They maybe just made up a character for him. Like, right. they didn't actually know who he is, but they just, like, made up a They're like John random Doe human. Yeah. Or something like that. You can get yeah. over that that way. That's that's Corey, that's, that's what I'm telling myself. So you need to come up with a fan theory. <laughs> yes, uh, that is a fan that. theory of all. He's cooking it. Right he's here. cooking it up. Okay, I do have more. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was just G- something me, that I had to say. Give me one more, and then it's my turn. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so for camera work, I have the spider when the spider is gonna bite Miles. So that entire time when um, Miles and Uncle Aaron are like painting the I think it's a sewer. They're in the subway terminal. They're the subway. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you have a view of the spider and like sometimes it's really big and it like seems like this giant thing and it really seems really big and then it gets all the way up to Miles' hand and it bites him and it's like the size of his thumbnail. (sighs) So it looks really big up until the point where it bites him and then it looks really small. So you're using lots of close-up so you can focus on the spider. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 
I, Justin, I got to know. So you've not liked seeing stats like when we did Creed on the screen. How did you feel about when we saw like Miles' inner monologue written on the screen in yellow after he got bit by the spider? Were you good with that? Because it's regular comic thing. Yep. Yep. Okay. And, and I, when that happened, I thought, oh, Craig is going to bring this up. Well, because, I thought. Because Justin's we going to about that Creed thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, this would be totally fine. They've set the premise that it's okay showing yep. information uh, through words, but Creed didn't do that. Not okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, I really don't have a ton to add as far as like the comic booky nature of it. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It is like a it's like a live action motion comic. It's it's fully immersive comic. I love that all the things they did with that. The thing I really want to point out is, and I noticed this time, was there's one, there's two shots and they're repeated. So when they go to Peter Parker's lair, they finally meet Aunt May and they all show up there. And there's the whole row and I'll in set decoration I was gonna talk about too. Like there's the row, the cases of Spider-Man suits, which is super cool. Um Miles goes up to the like classic Spider-Man suit and he looks up at it. And you can see the reflection of Miles and he doesn't quite measure up. Like his face is like right below the neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's like, he's not ready yet. They go back later and he looks up and his eyes are lined up with the eye holes. That's and it's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a puberty <laughs> thing. No, it's because, you know, he's ready at this point and he sees, it's like, it's also like he sees himself as ready, literally and metaphorically. And I just thought, what a beautiful, very cinematic shot, even more so than like just a comic book thing. So many things are like, they're kind of comic booky and we could say that's kind of gimmicky or whatever, but like just a great cinematic, regardless of the form shot that shows the growth of this character. My 13 year old pointed that out to me as we were watching this because he watched it with me and he said to me at that part, and I was going to bring that up today. He said, Dad, watch watch this shot right here where Spider Man is nice. looking up at his eyes. And I said, Just pay attention. He said, Just pay attention and then watch when he comes back. And I knew what he was referencing and I, I didn't remember that exact thing, but I knew, I thought, Oh, he's going to be taller when he comes back or something. And yeah. I didn't, but then it was more powerful. And I realized, you know, with what you just said, how awesome is it that that shot, Unconsciously, my my son says this is his all time favorite movie. Looks at that and he got that same comparison. He got that point that the director was trying to make with that. He's not tall enough until he sees himself there. Now he can see himself as filling the shoes, wearing the suit. So it's what I hear from Corey is that he's saying Craig and a thirteen year old have the same cinematic <laughs> acumen in this. See, I, I think that's a compliment to Corey's parenting is what that is. Yeah, I was, I was going to be like, is like, is that an insult to my Raise dad? up the child a- in the way they should go. When they're old, they're not depart from it. Oh, my oh yeah. It <laughs> shows that Jude has a level of uh, movie, yeah. movie suaveness that. Nicely Craig's, done. Craig's level is next level. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice backhanded compliment, Justin. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, let's, now it's your turn. Let's talk about the sound. Let's go ahead and move down to sound. So we got sound effects, which are great. Soundtrack, which you said you're ready for, uh, and then vocal sounds. Oh wait, you want me to go first? No, yeah, you, Justin. Oh, I'm you. not that ready. For it. I'm still like, uh, I'm still like in training. I'm gonna let you go first. You, you got this domain. I don't want to go first. That's okay. I'm just, I'm gonna throw one out because we, <laughs> right, we, we alluded to it earlier. Calista did it with the spider, and it's huge. Not only is the spider huge, but the sound design is really huge. It's getting really dynamic and really kind of like this big moment's gonna happen. And then as soon as the spider bite happens, there's this very mild slap. You just slap. I love that. <laughs> so, so tiny spider, tiny slap, which I just thought was just genius to kind of. 
puncture that moment. I love how it uh, like subverts expectations there too, because in every other film that we've seen that happen, it's such like a momentous occasion, and in this, it's just like <laughs> it, it's the equivalent of like Luke Skywalker throwing the lightsaber when Ray hands it to him. Like it, yeah, it just kind of lets you down, but in a good way, in a humorous yeah. way. Yeah, this movie's incredibly self-aware. It knows exactly that it where it fits within you know that there are other Spider-Man movies. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, there's a, there's a lot of nods to that. I think that that make it quite. There's a fourth wall that they break through in such a way that does not come across corny, does not come off as distracting. With that, um, I love when Porky Pig says, "That's all, folks." And he, <laughs> oh my god, Spider-Man says, "Is he allowed to say that? Like legally?" <laughs> That's the fourth wall. That's the the sound of it. Everything bringing it in. You just are you're drawn into that story. And, um, yeah. Well, to build off that too, real fast, I'm gonna let you go back. Peter Porker's fighting sounds are absolutely Warner Brothers stock sound effect sounds. Yes. Oh yes. They're just just things with him that that were very perfect for it. Oh gosh, the sound of that is his walking, hitting, all of those things. They're all very yep. Looney Tune sounding. Justin, come on. Give me some soundtrack stuff. Okay, some soundtrack stuff. Here we so go. when I saw this movie in theaters, uh, that scene where he is um, – it's it's the montage where he's getting his suit and he's spray painting his suit and he's you know fitting it up to be himself. Yep. And he's got like the quotes running through his head of inspirational things that people have said to him and his dad has said to him, there's a spark in you and all those things. Um, and he climbs to the top of the building and like jumps jumps – off and it's the leap of faith that that song i don't even i'm gonna i'm gonna do them dirty here i don't know the name of that song but close to what's the name of that song what's up danger oh yeah what's, what's up, up danger, danger? yeah that's I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that style of music but in that moment oh yeah it is okay is there like a medical condition where if you have goosebumps for too long like you're <laughs> that song getting, gives you goosebumps it, it does it, yeah it does like if you do not feel something in that moment you are dead inside yep. you just feel so good for miles you're like he did it um, and that is, I want to say like 90% soundtrack at that moment, the mm-hmm. way that is, that is mixed into that scene is just, it's so well done and you are, you are in it. I mean, you were already in it, but you feel for miles and the song has successfully manipulated your emotions in order to do that. So yes, it's great. Yeah. yeah. It's by black caviar and black way is who sang that song. I don't know either of those groups or persons. I had to look it up though. I looked I, it up I, though. I added that song to like my my playlist that I'll listen to every so often. And it just it does not hit the same if you're not watching <laughs> the movie. Like, I'm disappointed every time. Uh, that's fair. Um the song that I'm gonna highlight is the one that starts the song the movie and ends the movie, and that's yep. uh, Sunflower. <laughs> I, I think uh, if you that's count that on my on my iPhone, because my kids uh, have access to that iPhone growing up from 2018, I think. My son was uh, nine when this movie came out. And so from nine to 13, I think we've probably played that song 5,000 times. I mean, it is. It's, yep. And you know what? At first, I didn't like that song. The very first time in the theater, I was like, uh, I'm yeah. not sure. But after hearing it, you know, three, four hundred times in the car when my son made me play it. And just, Wore you down. I was like, this song is great. It's fantastic. And I'm, I just love that song. And anytime I hear that song, boom, automatically Spider-Verse right into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
that that's post Malone there, Justin. Yes. I, I did know that one. Okay. I, I, I love at when whenever he sings that song, he just kinda like <laughs> scats terrible. some of the lyrics. Like he doesn't yeah. know some of the lyrics. I'm like, we all do that. No one knows See, what they're saying there. Beautiful example of diegetic music, especially the like the third time or the the middle time we hear it when he's trying to relax and, and he's hanging from the, the ceiling Alchemex. <laughs> Peter B. <laughs> Peter like, B. Parker's like, what is happening here? He's like, oh, kids, the worst. <laughs> I think I think he says that earlier, but I don't know. What about you? What do you, okay. do you have anything for soundtrack? Three. Go for it. Okay, so first, my favorite song in this um, movie is the. Um, I'm not scared of the dark one when they're going over the news and uh, Peter Parker just died. I don't know. Okay. Um, That's good. And then also for soundtrack, I have the Prowler's theme. Ooh. Um, it sounds like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It sounds like someone's going to die if they get caught. It's pretty cool, actually. Um so that's cool. And now we have a humorous one, because I have to say it. I'm stealing it from you, Dad. Go for it. Spidey Bells. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard it? It is amazing. Yeah. He's got a great voice. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Keep listening to the very end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. There may be a small surprise. No, the Spidey Bells, the whole thing is oh, great. Um, absolutely amazing. Were you, did you have more? Uh, no, those are my three. Okay. Uh, I also want to mention, just really fact, before I forget... In, in effects, they have the thwip sound mm-hmm. and they visually represent it on screen. There's a couple of things where they do that visually, like, you know, like Batman 66, where you see like the pow and stuff, which is, again, fantastic. Um, I also, I think the thing that made me laugh even more than the Spidey Bells is when you hear St. Elmo's Fire, when they're like, there's like the costume up montage, like they're out in the forest. It's like, why are we hearing St. Elmo's Fire? Like, that's a deep cut. No kid gets that. Yeah. But the parents it. are like, that's amazing. That's a nod to us in the audience. So good. I don't. I don't get that. Explain <laughs> oh <my laughs> to me, Craig. Saint Elmo's Fire is a film. I believe 1985. It's got the the uh, the Brat Pack in it. So you got Emilio Estevez, Andy McCarthy, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy. You're running. You've never heard of these words. I don't know any of those things. Have you seen The Breakfast Club? That is a movie that exists. Yes. <laughs> Most of those people are in it. Anyway, it's a great song. It's a big radio hit and like it's kind of inspiring and then it's just it doesn't really fit the moment. It's just like out of nowhere. Like this would be a song that Peter B. Parker would listen to. Wait, Tiny Craig, did you just say, oh my, am I getting shade from a from a 12 year old? You didn't hear anything. Oh, darn. No. Did you have something else? No, but I, I... we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Okay, so then the other thing I wanted to say, just vocal sounds, was I love all of the voiceovers. Yeah. We have Chris Pine does the first one. Uh, and then everyone has one. Spider-Gwen has one. Peter Peter Porker has one. Mm, Penny yes. Parker has one. Spider-Man Noir has one. Miles has one at the end. All of them are great. And then some of them are like, they're aware that they've done this before, and so they kind of shortcut it. Uh, but I also really love the uh, the Uncle Ben speech. You get that animated, but it's like that's the one from the Tobey Maguire movie. Yeah. So... I just wanted to bring those up because they're just fantastic ways to just kind of bring us back. It's like this in a lot of ways, this is like Lego Batman. Like it all, all of these things exist in this universe because of the multiverse thing. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think that's a great way <clears throat> to bring in each character's story is that this is their point of view. This is their story. And there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of things that are the same. And in each one, that's the part that, in Chris Pines, we get the Tobey Maguire nod 
where he saves the subway. Yep. And then, but in the older Spider-Man, kind of separated from uh, Mary Jane, we get the nod to Venom and the dancing scene. And so we kind of get nods to previous iterations that we saw um, in their stories and takes that there's some similarities and commonalities. So I love that. Yeah, I think I might have mentioned this on another show. Like my kids saw this movie before they saw the other the regular Spider-Man movies. So the Spider-Man dance that he does in front of the building. <gasps> yes. They saw him in yes. costume do it in this film. And then when we watched that's gotta be Spider-Man 3, right? That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Watch Spider-Man 3, they're like, that's the thing from the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I'm like well, we don't kinda. Talk about that. No, flip it. <laughs> but it's just yeah. the, like that's your entry point. It's a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else for sound before we talk about performance, which I think is going to be fun because of the dialogue. I can't help it. Oh my gosh. There's so many. Um, I, I just kind of like what your daughter said there. Uh, the, the noise every time his, his uncle appears, that is, I don't know what they do to create that noise, but that is like a fantastic yet terrifying noise. Like you, you know, something bad is about to go down. I, yeah. I love that they did that. And you don't really get that with any of the other villains. Like he is Mm-mm. kind of, um, unique in, in the sound created. Yeah, that's a good pull. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you have first crack, kid. Thank you so much. Because I have way too many people are going to steal one. So you only get one to start with. <gasps> no! Yeah, we'll rotate. Okay, we'll fine. Around. Well, you know what I'm going to do. Okay. Go for it. So my favorite line in this entire movie is when um, Miles is running through the halls after he just had the little uh, mishap with Gwen. And he runs into the security guard. And his voice is going, yeah, you know what's going to happen. Okay. Um, and the security guard is like, um, I know you snuck out last night, Morales. And his voice is like, play dumb. And he goes, who's Morales? Not that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I love that voice. I forgot about that. Oh, it's so good. Quote that so Justin, much. do you have a line that you'd like to share? Um, so we're just doing one right now. Yeah, okay, one right so. now. We can do multiple passes, but oh yes. Okay, so much of this film, like I think, I think Miles <laughs> is spot on representation of teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, almost to the point where it's it's like hard to watch. So uh, <laughs> there's there's a fellow student that Craig and I have. His name is let's call him Geo. <laughs> let's. <laughs> this particular student, wonderful kid, but sometimes difficulty owning up to stuff. And that scene where Miles like puts the sticker on, I think it was a mailbox or a sign, and like he falls over, and then his dad sees him and says, "You know, you're gonna you're gonna pick those up later." And he's like, "Oh, you saw that? I don't know if that was me. Like, it was clearly you. We saw you, but it was clearly you, and you're gonna deny it. Like, don't gaslight me, but." Just uh, the amount of characterization that gives Miles, like, yes, he will become a superhero. Yes, he has heart. But yes, he is still very much a teenager that thinks yeah. he can just get away with stuff. I love yeah. this. Was this it me? Fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if that was me. Corey. Uh, there's a scene in the very beginning, Chris Pine on top of the roof inside the uh, the collider, whatever they're mm-hmm. doing. This, yep. You know. And he's on the roof and he's trying to find the little control panel. And he's like, it's always here. Where is it? And he's like hitting the punch in the wall, trying to find it. And he goes, it's here. Flips out the kill switch, which is a USB port. And he puts it on and he says, oh, man, I always get this wrong. And it's the USB. And I immediately, 
I'm laughing. I'm invested because it doesn't matter. Statistically, I have a 50-50 chance to get it right on a USB stick or anything that I ever plug into a computer. Yep. And I'm wrong 100% of the time, no matter what. And he did that in the scene. It's just a clip. Oh, I always get this wrong. Clips it around and yep. then goes to plug it in. And it, it was a brilliant thing to write in there. It made it. I hopefully other adults who've had the same problem look in the movie and just go, I'm invested because this yeah. Parker guy, he's just like me now. Hey, See, so I thought fun, you were going to say, I, th- oh. <laughs> I was just going to say, I thought you were going to say, it's, I got a 50-50 chance in it and yet it takes me three times. Oh, because yeah. Because that's me. <laughs> no. <laughs> then you had to right the first time. <laughs> that's true too. <laughs> oh my no, so the, the inventor, so fun fact, the inventor of the USB drive or stick, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, that standard that computers use. Sure. Um, he wrote a letter, something like 20 years after he invented it. So it was, it was a couple of years ago. He wrote a letter of apology. For <laughs> he really did. He's like, I'm so sorry to the world for like what I have done. Because, um, because you're wrong. Does. And then you go and fix it. And then you find out, no, you were right the first time. It just wasn't lined up right. And so then you flip it around and then you're like, nope, no, it's not. <laughs> Three, four times. I always get this wrong. <sighs> Okay, I'm gonna give it with one. There's, this is a great. Okay, we mentioned it before. This is a great movie, not because like it's hilarious, but it's also heartfelt in a lot of ways. And I think this first one I'm gonna do is both because it's right after Peter Parker dies and Mary Jane has the speech or the eulogy or whatever, and oh, Miles yes. says they're counting on me, and the guy next to him just leans over and says, "Probably not you specifically. I think it's a metaphor," <laughs> which. Is amazing, but it's also true because, like, I'll talk about this at the end. Like, the, one of the themes of this movie is, like, you know, a hero can come from anywhere. It's beautiful because of that. That's kind of where they go. You know, that it is like we could all be Spider Man. Um, and that he even says that at the end, but it's like, it's played just pitch perfect mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Well, it really plays to the heart of like what Spider Man has been all along from the comics of like anyone can be a hero, this rando nerd can yeah. be a hero. So it's it's got that little callback to the the heart of Spider Man. I love it. Yep. You, you got another one, kid? Of course I do. <laughs> this is the biggest part on my notes. Go okay. For it. Yeah. Alrighty. So here's another funny thing. Um, so when we have the um, Peter B. Par- Parker, one second. Um, the what do you call this? Like the voiceover part. Yes. Um. And he's like, me and my wife split up, but I handled it like a pro. And then you have a flash and he's like crying in the bathtub with the water on. In the suit. Yeah. In the suit. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. I, I just love Jake Johnson so much. He's just, yeah. Okay. How many more can I do? What, later? You get another turn. Okay. okay. Just. That's fair. Just. Um, I, so there are, there are so many bits of dialogue in this movie. It's hard. Uh, just on the single watch to like catch them all. But uh, the part where he is explaining his, um, sorry, when Peter B. Parker is explaining his plan to Miles, he said, I, I pulled it up here, so I got it word for word. Step one, I infiltrate the lab. Two, find the <laughs> scientist's computer. And like, it's showing his mental image of it. And Love the it. scientist is a man. <laughs> and then Miles, that lady with the bike is the head scientist. I saw her documentary at school. Cool. Step three, I re-examined my personal biases. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that. I love that. So good. And so fast. I re-examined my personal bite. <laughs> it's so easy to just slip in there and you just go, oh gosh, it goes with it. 
Uh, I've seen this movie probably six times and I never caught that. Uh, I'm going to throw out – this is just the teacher part of me because this is going to be my line. I'm going to put this in my classroom and use this is when they're web swinging after the lab right there, after they break into the the computer. And he says, we're a little team. Me as a teacher who can still do it. You as a student who can do it, just not as good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm throwing that out from here on out. Oh, that's so good. I can still do it and you just not as good. <laughs> See, I, that helped me choose my one, my next one too, because mine's in that same scene. I thought you were going to steal mine, but I'm, I'll build off of it. It says, uh, Peter B. also says, everyone knows the best way to learn is under intense life threatening pressure. <laughs> yeah. true. I, I actually thought about putting that in my classroom. <laughs> Come on, you little snowflakes. Yeah, we'll just like have my students, you know, write something and then just like, stand next to their desk and like smack their desk. Like, ah, sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. There you go. Your turn. Okay. Now I have to choose. One second. To pull up the notes. Uh, we'll do. We'll do. Well, this is the last round because we gotta. We gotta move to the next. Thing. Okay. Well. Okay. Um. Let's see. Okay, I'm gonna go with one line that um, Peter Porker says, and it's later when they're um, they're at the collider at the end and they're all fighting stuff, um, and this is a little show off between the scorpion and. Peter Porker, and um, Scorpion's like, what are you, some kind of silly cartoon? Peter Porker's like, you got a problem with cartoons? And then totally just beats him up. (laughs) Which is amazing, because he looks like a cartoon to them. Yeah. (laughs) Which is fantastic. Like, we're all watching a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, There's different animation for all of them, like Penny Parker. um, She's she's anime. Yeah. That Scorpion costume would be phenomenal. I thought that Mm. was Yeah. A blow up tail. Yeah. Some legs. Justin, you got another line? I do. Because um, there's just so many by Spider-Man Noir. I love, he's just got some great ones. I guess this isn't technically from him, but when he first appears and his trench coat is like fluttering in the wind, <laughs> like very clearly, like, oh, where's that wind coming from? <laughs> Wherever I go, the wind follows and the wind it smells like rain. <laughs> You and and Nicholas Cage, who has yes. become like a walking joke, yeah, in a good way, like yeah. delivers on that so well. Like you could not have cast that any better. There no. is no better casting than Nicholas Cage for that. If they ever go live action, that has to be yeah. Nicholas Cage. I mean, it would just be. I could not believe he fits everything mm. so perfect mm. in that. Where's the wind coming from? We're in a basement. <laughs> Corey, you got another line. All right, I'm going with my last one here for uh, it's a no on the cape. I got to be honest, no matter what, any superhero movie ever since The Incredibles, Edna Mould has never, never going to be defied again. No capes. Oh, my goodness. No capes. No capes. Yeah. And I love how he follows it up with it's disrespectful. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. Okay, I'm I'm gonna cheat because I'm gonna say I can't believe no one said it's a puberty thing as a line because <gasps> that's amazing. Right. Um, but I'm gonna end on a semi serious one because I, I think it's great again thematically too. Stan Lee's in this film. Oh yeah, <gasps> and the line he says, you know, Miles is worried about the suit and whether or not it fits, and he says it always fits eventually, yep. which goes back to that scene earlier too where Miles just sees himself in the in the eyes too, where it's like he's just not quite ready yet, but he will be. Okay, so that line did have deeper meaning. To me, I just thought like, man, that is a skeezy salesman. <laughs> no <laughs> refunds, dude. He's just trying to get out of a refund. Yeah, but that's the point. It was good. Yeah. 
So I, uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I, I took that differently though because I think it was Stanley, and I took it because the sign was there, no returns or refunds ever, was to mean that it's kind of a way of Miles – I don't want these powers or did they make a mistake in these powers coming to me to say, nope, there's no refunds. You were chosen for a reason. These are your powers. Mm -hmm. It will Mm -hmm. eventually. There's a little bit more of a philosophy in all of that besides just him scheming to make a buck. Sure. If you want to Mm -hmm. apply it. So I, I imply it that way in that scene. I think that's more powerful. Yeah. I mean, we're all just trying to infer what the creators are saying anyway, so it's not. Not definitive, but it's great what you can pull out. So body language, facial expressions, do you want to do the thing that's the thing that's there that you wanted to say? Go for it. Hey. Sorry, it was so bad. Which is what? This is not a video podcast. shoulder touch. The shoulder touch. Oh, goodness. (laughs) It's so good. I just want to throw out a couple of just awkward things. Peter B, like miming, brushing his hair back when he's going to try and charm Liv Octavius. He's he's wearing the mask and he just puts his head back there. Uh, And then you have... uh, Peter B trying to talk to, to MJ, trying to be smooth about the bread oh, no. when he, they're trying to be waiters. And she oh, just, no. Spider Gwen just face palms right there, which is great because it's animation. But it like, again, it might as well be live action because these characters are animated in such a realistic way. Yeah. Those small little things like that. You guys have anything else for performance at all? Body language, facial expressions, costumes, hair, makeup, any of that stuff. Uh, I'm going to say the for the body language, the thing I notice in all the web slinging and everything they do, all the Spider-Man iterations have such a cool body motion when they land and, you know, the hero pose and the web swing, shoulders extended and a pendulum swing down and the flip and so amazing and so cool to watch. The one thing that they kind of gave Miles Morales that they didn't give Garfield or Tobey Maguire or, or uh, Tom Holland, when he's falling, he's falling backwards at the end in his final montage web sling, you know, that all Spider-Man movies have at the end, a little final montage right. of him web slinging. He's falling backwards with his hands behind his head, kind of sitting, laying down, kind of a pose. Oh. Just the confidence of who he is and uh, that he's become. And so... I, I just think the body language of, of Spider-Man is one of the most favorable characters of all time. I think it's just everybody loves Spider-Man because of how he swings and powers and what he can do. And it's just the neighborhood kid. You just root for him. Yeah. That's a nice pull because it is, it is, it's very similar. It's very, very much meant to evoke the scenes we've seen before, but he's puts his own signature spin on it. So yeah. I felt like they did such a good job with the body language because you're in this movie and you have to introduce so many characters in such a short amount of time. And to some degree, I think they assume the audience is familiar with a lot of the characters. But if if you think about like the Avengers, the Avengers had a long time to build up to that movie, to introduce all those characters, to put them in like an ensemble role. Whereas this, you don't really, you're introducing a ton of new Spider-Man. So it's the little, like little bits of characterization that you see that really lends to the character development. So like, before before the fight in Aunt May's house, for example, um, each of the char- each of the Spider Men do something different that kind of just lets the audience know this is how they approach a fight. Like uh, Spider Man uh, Noir, you, you know, he immediately goes into like a fighting pose, whereas Peter B Parker Peter P Parker like cracks his back and like <laughs> a little bit, where like yep. Miles doesn't really know what's going on, like. 
it's just those subtle things that I don't think I picked up on my first couple of watches. But then afterwards, you're like, you know, this is semi subconsciously lending to my opinions of these characters and just how skilled they are and kind of their mindsets a little bit. Yeah, I love that because there's no, they're not, they're not telling us what they're thinking, but you can pick it up from that. They're communicating very clearly through their body language. Yeah. Like it. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about setting and design. I mean, it's, this is obviously there's everything's in a computer. So none of this is real location. So we can kind of skip through that. Um, but set decoration, I thought there was some really interesting things. And uh, you have set for set decoration, Calista? Uh, well, main thing I had was uh, the sign that said no refunds ever. That was the main thing that I had. So, nope. Go ahead. Okay. I, I loved how when they they said that Peter Peter B. Parker came and he said it was New York, but it was not my New York. You know, and I thought it was interesting because it just showed the differences in the multiverse. How you know the buildings are slightly different, or the, the this design slightly different. You know the coloring's different. The TVs are different. Like it's just a different world, and uh, but it's still the same. So I, it it's a great way to kind of introduce that multiverse and to bring that in. That there's some nuances, but there's also some similarities. So yeah, I want to totally build on that because um, we would assume that Miles's universe is essentially the prime universe, yeah. right? But when Peter B comes and shows up in, in Times Square, there's multiple movie posters which are kind of spoofs. And it's like maybe he's from our universe and because Miles is in a different one because this is the three that I picked out. I know there's more, but there's like there's like a bridesmaid spoof. It's called Baby Showers. There's yeah. from dusk till Sean instead of Sean of the Dead. Yep. But I think the funniest one is it clearly is it gonna be a riff on Seabiscuit, the Toby Maguire movie, and it's called Hold Your Horses. <laughs> See? And they're just quick, quick, quick. And I had to watch. Uh, go back, go back. I, I saw something funny. Wow, you have to show me those. I yeah, lots of brand there. names are different too, but those three movie posters, I was like, that's just genius. Yeah. Um, but besides the set decorations, I, I would point out on the costumes and things, I think the they absolutely nail these costumes, right? Couldn't these just be the best? Co- I mean, Spider-Gwen's, Miles Morales, and then the, the Spider-Man, you know, traditional look. But Spider Gwen's costume um, is absolutely incredible. I think my it's it's got that great ghost spider look, that little black and white with ballet shoes, you know, yeah. as as the mm-hmm. finishing piece. And so when she lands, she doesn't land with her toe forward like everybody does. She lands them like a more of a ballerina with her toe straight up. And uh, but my five-year-old daughter watches Spidey and Friends and she absolutely loves Spider-Gwen. Thinks Spider-Gwen is uh, the best thing. And, oh my God. Kids oh, watch yeah. that too. And it's so right? It's, actually, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, I know. She was kind of troubled because then we watched we watched Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 1 the other day where it was the end scene. She walks in and I'm watching that with Green Goblin and she's like, who's that? And it was just yeah. a little bit meaner Green Goblin than the one oh, that yeah. she did. And <laughs> she was not happy about it. And then no. I was watching Spider-Verse, you know, uh, today for this. And she was just in love with Spider-Gwen because it's much more, I mean, uh, just athletic and incredible pose than Spidey and Friends. So it was, I think they absolutely do her justice to bring her character in and to make her, she could have her own movie. She absolutely could. I think it's a way, of, it's a nod, I think, to the, to the girls to say, Hey, you're here too. And 
you could be the epic hero of of the journey as well. Yeah, and I think she's getting one. I think that's in the works. She? She's getting a spinoff. Yeah. Oh, like animated or? Yeah, yeah. No, in the same universe. Just the. Okay. I think Spider Woman is in it as well. If I if I remember correctly. I had a Halloween where I pushed hard for all of my kids. Like we were going to be this, the Spider Verse gang. Yeah. Because uh, my daughter was so pro uh, Spider Gwen, and like she just she wouldn't do it. I got I got to be uh, Peter B. Parker, so like. <laughs> I got to wear a Spider-Man suit. And I'm just like, hey, I'm fat. Like, it works. With sweatpants. It works. You can pull off with sweatpants, too. <laughs> yes, I know. And I, and, I, and I wore sweatpants, too. It was perfect. Like, oh, my gosh. My body shape fit that. It was great. <laughs> you do that. Uh, I'm going to go as fat Thor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, that was the line I cut. Was, Why is your body a different shape? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you just call me fat? Did you just call me fat? Pretty, pretty sure you just call me fat. <laughs> yeah. What What is uh, interdimensional warping? That's, yeah. That's <laughs> well, I love that they point out his sweats too. Are you wearing Mary J or uh, Aunt May says, are those sweatpants? And Spider Gwen even says, yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's it's a nice uh, it's a nice little way to show the the differences in the characters. Like they couldn't have just given him the regular Spider Man suit. Yeah. yeah. So it's the regular Spider Man suit with sweatpants so you know that you know this is peter b barker not yeah not so the hobo spider-man just to kind of transition down into characters because we're kind of talking about that again a little bit more jake johnson as peter b parker like he always plays a slacker and so <laughs> like i loved him on new girl so very much nick miller is one of my favorite fictional characters ever and just to hear nick miller with the same just deadpan <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's your he's your hero. Yeah, the hell's that going to work out? He's going to be wearing sweatpants. Sure. Yeah. Well, and if we're gonna if we're gonna talk uh, voice and characters there, then I'm gonna highlight Shamiak Moore too. Yeah, um, he is phenomenal in this. I'm mm-hmm. gonna tell you the one one line of Miles that stands out to me is when he's holding Peter B. Parker and he's gonna and he tells him, "You got to go home, man." Just the way he says that, that yeah. the eyes, the way they animated mm-hmm. his voice saying it. And I'm just looking at him and I'm memorized by that scene. Just the way he says it, you got to go home, man. And it was just, it was, I mean, I had goosebumps. I was tearing up a little bit. And then when he's talking to his, his dad and hugs him at the end, I'm crying. Yeah, I'll admit it. I cried in animated Spider-Verse so, because they do such a good job with all of those. Oh, yeah. Every one of them. Yeah, and, and Chris Pine, like, the, did not know that Chris Pine was going to be – love Chris Pine. And, like, he's – he is the archetypal Spider-Man. This is so quippy. Yeah. Just I love the quippiness because that's – I mean, that's my always been my biggest thing with, like, the live-action Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire is not quippy enough. Tom Holland's not quippy enough. Andrew Garfield is the only one who, like, hits the quippy quotient. Oh, no. Small knives. Oh, small knives. My weakness. I oh, think yeah. – Small knives. Small knives. I think, I think Tom Holland is – quippy enough too because i think no yes so i i think I, tom I think, holland in civil war is quippy enough there he goes then in his then own they movie, went away from it they yep. tone him down and it's sad that bugs me. civil war spider-man is like also peak quip in tom holland's first one like he does he does a great job when he's going through and blasting all the webs to bl- save that uh the fairy that's falling apart and he's yelling things the whole time. Like it was just, it's typical Spider-Man. Every one of these, even here in the Spider-Verse, when he's fighting, he's throwing out lines that are just, you know, I'm half in the fight and I'm half in what I'm saying in conversations. Well, don't you love how each of the Spider-Men in there, well, except for maybe Penny, they all are quippy in their, in very different ways, but all in the realm of this is a Spider-Man quip. Yeah. Yep. 
like their ability to differentiate those characters, even though they're the same characters, is amazing. Yeah, not the exact same. You get what I'm saying? No, I get what you're saying. So yeah, and we should mention Haley Steinfeld as as Gwen Stacy. There's a lot of people that have been in a lot of other comic book properties that that show up in this too, and it's like they're that's pretty great. Uh, Maharshala Ali as Aaron Davis or Prowler is also great. Kind of an understated, not a really super big role, but he's great in everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, Zoe Kravitz is the one that plays MJ. I was like that. She just didn't ever. She was in Lego Batman too. So it was. Who did she play in that? Um, Catwoman. Oh, she nice. played Catwoman in that and and the Batman, of course. That was why that was, a, that was a big thing. Catherine Hahn is, you know, Liv Octavius. She was Agatha all along. That's what I heard. Uh, anything else from uh, any characters or actors that we want to point out? I mean, we had John Mulaney as Peter Porker. Liv Schreiber plays Wilson Fisk. Uh, anything Peter, Por- Peter Porker's delivery of the line, do animals talk in this universe? Or does it not? <laughs> freak him out that that line alone was the payoff for having him in the movie that oh my goodness just to be said i'm glad they didn't do more with him like he is in there just enough yep just Um, enough i think if they put him in there more it would it would have detracted a little bit yeah i don't want a movie of him like he's in small doses yeah yep oh i was gonna oscar isaac is in this too like in the in the post-credit scene yep yet another guy who's been in several comic book properties uh, and he's in the new one, of course. Uh, let's see. Anything else for characters? Or are we ready to move to the next? I have a I- random little thing. You go first, though. Oh, I'm just curious. if, if Favorite favorite Spider-Man if, while we're talking about characters. <gasps> oh, that's a good call. Do you have one, Justin? Uh, you go first if you're... Um, it, it's It's got to be a tie between Peter B. Parker and uh, Spider-Man Noir. Because they're both great. Yep. Corey. I, think I, I think I relate to Peter. Are we, B. Say, are we saying yeah. just this movie or are we saying all the problems? Just this movie. Just, just this. Just, just this, this one. Movie? Yep. Oh, gosh. Peter B. Parker is just brilliant. <laughs> I mean, he is. You know why? He's relatable to me. Yep. If you, if you ask my son, my 13-year-old son, he would say Miles Morales. Yep. Because it's relatable to him. Yep. The struggle he's going through. And I think, I think that's the brilliance of this movie is there's a Spider-Man in here for every one of us to relate to. You ask my daughter, she's gonna say, uh, she's gonna say Spider Gwen every time, and so I, I think it's, I think someone's relatable to everybody, and I, I relate to overweight Spider Man wearing sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, for the record, yeah, and, and like I just love Jake Johnson, so I'm just like, I'm so glad he's in this, and he's back for the next one, yeah, because otherwise I'd be like, eh, I'm not really super interested. What about you, Calista? So, so I can't relate to Peter B. Parker, but he is my favorite too because he's funny and quippy and great. Pretty much everything he says is funny. I know. I was trying to write down all his lines, but didn't have enough room. Uh, we're like a team. <laughs> Me as a team, we still do it. Oh, <laughs> yes. Dude, just not as good. Oh, so wow. Good. Okay. Okay. I think uh, Hero's Journey for this is super easy because it is absolutely the traditional monomyth. It fits all those beats. You even have the death of the uncle as a you know mentor and like really the death of his innocence in that moment, too. Uh, I love the fact that he can't automatically do the invisible thing or the electric powers on command when they make a big deal about that. Um, but then he gets to that point and you have that transformation scene where you see him. I mean, you can even use it as apotheosis, like entering the cave and coming out when he goes downstairs into Peter's lair and comes out only when he's ready. He's got the new suit and all of those things. He's kind of been reborn in that way. Yeah. It, it seemed very much like a plug and play. Okay, this is the template for Hero's Journey. Just plug in the pieces. Boom, we got it. Which, and it's not a bad thing. That's not a criticism. 
No. Well, and I, I, it's the best part of this movie. And I think this is tough because I think you, you connect it to No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home. The end when his uncle dies, you know, I was watching it and I thought, oh my gosh, there has to be a death in every Spider-Man hero's journey. And, you know, they did it in No Way Home too, except it was Aunt May. And, and I thought the best part was when he said, none of you know, and Spider-Gwen says, we're probably the best ones that understand this, that yeah. we know what you're going through. Because they've all had that exact same thing. And so it's, it's slightly different in each universe, but it's the same thing. And so, and that they bring it really hammer at home in no way home to that same thing. Yeah. That's a great pull, Corey. That's a good scene. So I think this is probably a good enough time as any to, to roll down, to move down to world building. Cause what I had really for world building is connected to hero's journey anyway. Uh, and, but what I wanted to say was just how much I love that this builds on all of the existing Spider-Man media and then and incorporates all of those things. And it opens up so many other possibilities of other things. And it's so like it, lo- it's kind of in, in some ways, it's a little bit again like Lego Batman, where it's kind of like parodying it at the same yeah. time as it's also just it's like a love letter to Spider-Man fans oh, yeah. in much the same way. And I also just roll up as you know a huge fan of the character Peter Parker, the fact that you know you, you have this they strike this amazing balance where Miles comes in and he's your central character, but it's done in such a reverential way to. Peter Parker. Like he it's he doesn't exist without Peter. Like he's mm-hmm. doing it almost as a tribute uh to Chris Pine's Peter Parker. Yeah. You know, who you get to meet got to meet and you have to even forge a little bit of a relationship there. And then he has, you know, you think that's gonna be the mentor, and then that's you know, that's the mentor we didn't even talk about. That meant that mentor dies first. And then he gets the second mentor with you know, Hobo Spider Man. With well, what? Almost, Hobo Spider Man. Hobo Spider Man. He almost yeah. helps that mentor be who he is as well because he's mm-hmm. expecting Peter B. Parker to be the Spider-Man that he just lost. He's like, this yep. was such a great hero. You're not measuring up. And it, it, it's a it's a relationship where they're, they're, they're building each other up at the same time. Yeah. That's fantastic. That, that really highlights the power of the, the quote where he says, when will I know I'm ready? And he says, you won't. It's a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, as he's about to let go of Peter B. Parker and he's into back into his multiverse and he's scared to go back. What if I mess it up this time about his relationship? And he says, uh, he makes a comment to him about, you won't. And then he says, it's a leap of faith. So it's that mentor mentoring back. It, it's just the power of that. I think is mm-hmm. the goosebumps. Dick. I know. <laughs> it's, you know what it is, is I love it. It's a payoff. There's a payoff in all of this. Craig brought me into that with that term a few episodes ago about payoffs and it it's yeah. the part that pays off in the character building, the mentoring and all of that. And it comes off so well. Well, I mean, to quote Lucas, which is never a bad thing. It's like poetry. It rhymes. It rhymes. <laughs> so final thoughts, final thoughts on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Calista, are you ready? I yes. can see you rubbing your hands together. Like, uh-huh. yeah, let's do it. To do that a lot. Okay. So hit it. Final okay. thoughts. So I have a couple more loopholes for you. Cause <laughs> oh, no. I- <laughs> I'm sure right. Corey's got a fan theory to I'm fix it. I'm still recovering. I'm still recovering from the last one. <laughs> That's the beginning. Okay. So this is something that I've been trying to figure out since the beginning of my Spider-Man experience. What are they swinging on? 
<laughs> are they grabbing the water particles from the clouds when they're swinging in the air? There's nothing to swing on. At this point, I think you just have to roll with it. <laughs> they just Question. fly through the air. Okay. I, I only really picked up one scene where they did that, when they're all in the crane looking into yes. uh, this tower. Yep. Every other time, I'm like, okay, they, they have, you know, there's trees. Or there's other yeah, and they're going through the trees. That one makes sense, but... Mostly but, that yeah, one that right one there. that one scene, I'm like, you are clearly at the top of the city. Like, what are you... Yeah, they don't care. We're going with it. Okay, I have one more. Um, so at the end, when um, Miles is doing his own voiceover, um, you see Peter Porker eating a hot dog. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just tell myself that it's beef so I can sleep at night, but still... <laughs> But wait, see, what you talked about, like, Peter Porker's, uh, his origin story. Oh, yeah, right. Here we go. So, um, other thing, during his, during Peter Porker's little voiceover, he was a spider that was bitten by a radioactive pig. What? (laughs) That was the brilliance. I gotta tell you. Oh, my. I'm not going to be able to sleep at night with these ponderings. (laughs) The, The hot dog part is the part that gets me, too. Yeah, that's the part. I Ugh. may be troubled by that. <laughs> Maybe it's an actual dog. I don't know. Okay, I'm nothing pretty sure makes it's sense. pork. Yeah, it's, nothing makes sense in that universe. It's a kosher hot dog. Does mm. that mean that in some universe somewhere there's a Spider-Man eating like, like a cannibalistic? No. 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 In our universe, animal hot dogs. What if in his universe there are people <gasps> dogs? I don't know. I don't know. That's this is a dark turn. Oh, 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 dark. Bad, it escalated quickly. Oh my goodness. Ah. Say it. Okay. Ju- Justin, final thoughts. Okay. Um. <sighs> anything that hasn't been said yet? That's I mean, hard. This is, like, I don't know. this is a cop out, but I I feel I feel good. I feel I feel happy and full inside because this movie's just so good. I, it's goosebumps. Yeah. It's a, it's amazing. There's <laughs> nothing about this movie where I was like, mm, okay, whatever. No, it's just. There's so much payoff. There's so much little nods to character development. There's, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I got nothing else. That's it. Corey, uh, I'm gonna say two things. One, I think I need to go watch the alternate universe cut. It has it extends uh, some alternate scenarios for certain scenes and changes mm, the runtime from two hours and twenty three minutes to one hour and fifty from two hours and twenty three minutes instead of one fifty seven. Ah. It makes me think, my gosh, there's 30 more minutes I could pick up on this show. I know and nothing I, And I of do this. think the show goes fast. And so uh, I think I may have to go watch that. The other thing is this movie is so brilliant how they do it. All the spider characters they bring in. I don't know that they would translate well into a live action movie. Although I think this story could have been an incredible live action story. If they would have done it, you wouldn't have had Porky Pig because that would not have come off well. Um, mm. Or Spider-Nor, I don't think that would have come off well. But I think they could have taken the same story and made it into a live action movie. But I think – I also think they missed the mark not bringing Miles Morales in No Way Home. Like I love No Way Home. I think it would have been easy for them to just add him. And maybe it was – there would have been too many Spider-Men. But they pull off six of them in this one, and it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. No they way. do mention it, though. In no yes. Yeah, I was going to say that. Not it, but, I, but I love the part where Ned is bringing Spider-Man, and he says, Peter Parker. And then he says, Spider-Man. And that's how they get Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in the same room. 
is I could have yeah. thought if he said Spider-Man one more time, he could have opened up and Miles Morales stepped through. There, there's nothing to say. We and it's just the it same the way movie. as introducing where we don't have to do a whole backstory for Miles. But I still, I think I might love a good backstory for Miles. But so I, I don't know. I just, I just think the guy is due. I think it's, it's time to get his character up there too and have multiple Spider-Man versions because I think yeah. you can't miss with a Spider-Man movie. Every yeah. character, every iteration has people that are in love with Toby, in love with Andrew, in love with Tom, and whoever's going to play Miles. So I think, but this version's fantastic. I can't wait to go see the next one. And so I, I think they pulled this off so well. I agree. And, and I'll add on too. Like uh, we did see Aaron, uh, Aaron Davis, the, the prowler, like his uncle is in Spider-Man Homecoming played by Donald Glover. Like he's the one with the ice cream in the trunk. So we've already established like that Miles exists in the, in the MCU because of that. Uh, I just wanted to point out um, it won Best Picture, or Best best Animated Feature, rather, at the 91st Academy Awards, beating out Disney Films, which never happens. But the thing that I'm interested in is it it scores a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. What is wrong with the 3% of those people? Yes. (laughs) Like, Like, this, I mean, I don't understand. Like, it's... Well, I love it. Like it's it's actually really clean. There's like no profanity. There's no adult themes. Like it's a great, just all around movie. It's incredibly well made. It's fantastic. It's definitely rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Great film. So somebody didn't like it for some reason. A handful of people didn't like it. That's fine. Uh, I didn't. You know, I again. Like I said I'm happy to be, have been wrong. I saw the trail. I remember saying like there was like the little end credit thing and, and Venom. We saw that which is not a very good film, but I had that and it was like, okay, I'm not excited for Spider-Verse. I don't care. And then I'm so happy to have been wrong because it's so good. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do next. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com or use the SpeakPipe app on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend and support us by writing a review on your favorite podcast catcher. As you know, today, we are giving one lucky listener a digital copy of Mission Impossible 2. All you had to do to enter was join our email list. And the winner of the digital copy of Mission Impossible 2 is Aaron Harris. Congratulations, Aaron. Check your email because we'll be sending out the code for the digital copy. For our next episode, we're going to be giving one lucky listener a digital copy of Mission Impossible 3. All you have to do to enter this time is leave us a voicemail using the SpeakPipe app on our website, or by visiting speakpipe.com slash reading between the reels by Tuesday, 523.23. Winner will be announced on the next episode of Reading Between the Reels. One last thing. Our next episode will be a review of Transformers. Send us an email or voicemail about your favorite moments from Transformers, and we'll share it on the next episode. Crime, whipping through the streets of New York every night, 
Wrapping bad guys up in my web so tight Crawling up the walls, making villains fight What fun to make the holidays free from crime tonight Oh, spider bells, goblin spells, vulture laid an egg Spider buggy blew a tire and venom got away hey, Spotty bells, spotty bells, swinging all the way Oh, what fun it is to fight the bad guys every night Swinging through the streets on a web of spider silk Kicking all the butts of villains and their ilk Bombs from goblins fling, fling Pumpkins blooming bright, bright How hard it is to consistently bring Peace to New York all night Oh, Spidey Bells might be swell To do more than fight crime I got a lot of qualities that don't get much at time I can sing, I can dance I tell jokes, I act I could be, be a big deal for Asia Call me back Why did I agree To do this stupid song I have a degree in chemical engineering I thought it would be fun to show this side of me but now I fear it lacks artistic integrity oh Spidey Bells Spidey Bells is this who I've become Selling out my good name for an impulse buy album Oh, Spidey Bells Spidey Bells I'm filled with deep regret I'm cancelling this song's release Before the press I get Oh, Spidey Bells, Spidey Bells Swinging through Midtown Oh, what fun to sling a web and take the bad guy Down.